This is Blood and Firewater, a true crime comedy discussion type podcast. We shoot tequila and chase it with a case of murder. Just as a disclaimer, this podcast contains mature content not suitable for all ages. So listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Blood and Firewater. This is episode 14 of the podcast. 14. That's that's More. respectable. That's a respectable number. It's just like, hey, how old are you? I'm 14. You're like, <laughs> no, that is not. You kind of made it this far. <laughs> I mean, it's all downhill from here. No. 14. We're going up. For episode 14, I thought I'd pick a more local case. Okay. And I don't know. And it's killing me. But we did um, Susan Smith, which was in Union, mm. which is fairly close. Close. Yeah. Geechee. This case happens in Sumter, South Carolina. Oh, no. About an hour away. Dumpster. Little bit past the uh, Sumter National Forest, where I've been lost on multiple occasions. I've been out there towards McCormick and Carlisle. I'm sorry. 96 South Carolina. You should familiarize yourself with uh, the upstate or the state alone. You ever been to Walhalla? Yeah. Seneca? Mm-hmm. Clemson? Yep. Shout well, out to all the upstates. Yeah, cities. no, yeah, I've been to all the. I mean, we had Spartanburg. Spark City. I said in episode 13 that um, I would shout out our reviews from. Um, just outside the the U.S., I just figured out how to actually see those. So, I will try and find them right now. This one comes from Great Britain. There's probably, I think there's a, a couple of them that come from Great Britain. So, shout out to Great Britain for um showing your boy and your girl some love. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know. Yeah. I don't know what else. I never thought that we'd have, you know. A following in Great Britain, so that is awesome sauce. Okay, so this one says new podcast alert. Mm-hmm. I love the brother and sister dynamic. They really bounce off each other and deliver interesting cases. There's never a shortage of true crime stories, and I found some new ones to binge. Oh yeah. So this one comes from Reens Rena. I'm a slaughter these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reens, Rena, Renai, Reens, Rena, Renai. I think that's how you say it. So it, thank you. It's not. Yeah, he tried. I he, tried. Shoot me a message if I said it wrong. I'll say it again. <laughs> yeah, some send other us time. a recording of how to say it, and we'll 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 do that whole thing over. No, you could just say, you know. We'll say it right. So the next one comes from River Girl, two thousand ten. I'm a huge fan of true crime and. Am always looking out for new listens that are independent. These guys are great. They have a great chemistry and do a wonderful job of telling the story. Even with familiar cases, there's a fresh take. Thank you, River Girl 2010. You have no idea how hard it is to make a case that's been done 50,000 times sound like they've never heard it before. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. What was it, River? River Girl 2010. River Girl. 
There's okay. one more. Oh my gosh. This one's from Spain. True crime and comedy, great concept. This podcast is quite interesting since it combines both true crime stories and comedy. Blends really well and the hosts do a great job to keep the listener entertained constantly. So if you love true crime, it's definitely... It's, okay, no. <laughs> so if you love true crime, it's worth a listen. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Gold Blocker Career. hey I'm friends with this guy. Really? So, yeah. I appreciate that, bro. Excited. Now that the reviews are out the way, if I think Rashad's getting sick, I think I'm getting sick. I I think you Um, are because that's the second time since I've been here. If you would like your review read on the show, hit that purple button on your iPhone. (laughs) Leave a review on the Blood and Fire Water Podcast. Five stars. Leave a sentence. Leave five sentences. We love the long ones. And we will shout you out on the show. You can also look, reach out to us on Instagram at Blood and Firewater Podcast, Twitter at BFW Pod Squad. And if you would like to contact me directly, you can shoot me an email at bloodandfirewater at gmail.com. So today's case. Oh my God. Can I please know? Is the Sumter Does. You ever heard of them? The who? The Sumter Does. I am very aware of Sumter, but Mm -hmm. not Sumter Does. No. Okay, so you know they call a body that they find that's unidentifiable a doe. Like a John Doe, Jane Doe. Yeah. So it was a couple that was found on the side of the road in Sumter. They've never been able to identify them, even to this day. Case is still open, or it might have closed. It. I don't know, but as far as I know, it's still open. Don't know who they are. Don't know where they came from. But they ended up on the side of the road in Sumter. Did you see this on Unsolved Mysteries or shit? I I started watching that last night again. That's not like some unsolved mystery shit, like the on the show. No, I did. I did not see this on Unsolved Mysteries. Huh. I saw this. Where everybody else sees shit like this on YouTube. <laughs> that was the first place I saw it. And I was like, whoa, Sumter's like an hour away. So I, I reached my hand down this rabbit hole. And Sumter I actually pulled it right back out. Because there's not a lot of information about this case. Oh, okay. There is some information and it's pertinent because of the fact that this is all we know, there's nobody else just going to like be coming forward as of 2020 about this case. Because you know? it happened in... 1974. Okay. You know, 1976, like... I'm sorry. Okay, 1976 in Sumter. Well, yeah. it sounds about right. I mean, so if you guys hadn't been to Sumter, you'd get that vibe. There's some shady shit went on in that town that people don't want to talk about. I'm sitting right beside Rashad, and it's so uncomfortable. I've never, we don't ever sit beside each okay, other. Okay, all right, all right. So, and it's some... so weird. I'm so he's, I'm, he's right here. I'm looking at him, and it's weirding me out. Are you hey, Shadi. Are you done? You sound sick, bro. I am sick. Okay, so I bought some honey today. I forgot lemon. Do you have lemon? Oh, I spit in the cup. You're oh, 
So this happened August 9th of 1976. Okay. <laughs> In Sumter County, two un- unidentified people were shot and killed execution style and left on the side of the road off I-95. Google Maps shows a dirt road, no houses, no businesses, just road. Sort of a desolate area off the highway. So these are the types of roads that truck drivers use to pull off and rest to not be bothered. On that morning, a truck driver, in fact, uses this road to catch some sleep, but spots the two bodies. I'd imagine the life of a truck driver on the road, you would see some crazy stuff. But running into not one, but two dead bodies, you kind of got a story to tell over the CB radio. Or maybe not. Maybe you just see dead things on the side of the road a lot. and I was going to say, I think all truck drivers know. Maybe they actually spot people and just don't say nothing. I think they all got this, like, code or, like, conspiracy thing where, you know, what happens on the road stays on the road. It's the way of the road. (laughs) It's like some fucking gang, like, you know. Authorities soon arrive and they were like, yep, this is a homicide. Yeah. Yeah. They both had three bullet Thanks, wounds. Thanks, Dewey. They both had three bullet wounds, one in the back, one in the chest, and one in the throat. Six shots total. Execution. The, the weapon used was believed to be a three fifty seven Magnum revolver. So these were loud shots from a humongous gun in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. So you would probably think no one heard or saw anything. It's a possibility that they were shot somewhere else and then dumped at this location. But someone did see something, or at least heard something, of the crime being committed. The witness was like, uh, what do you call it, like a hermit. He lived by himself. He liked to be by himself. He peed on trees. I don't, I don't know. Uh, like, that's, that's, that's what he did. And who's the bitch? Or the lady? Who's the lady? Who's the lady? The, wait, okay, so... I think I got lost. Mind you, I'm not used to this. So, the dude... That you were just talking about, that, that's not the dude that got killed, was it? That was the dude that killed them? Are you listening? Yeah, I, I, I am listening. So, who are you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the last thing you said. What did I say? Um... Now that we're talking, hey, don't look at me like that. I know what you said. I just can't. I'll say it over for you. It's not that hard. Right. I'm reading actually quite slow because of the <laughs> cold that I- that has like developed in the last six hours. Okay, yeah. All right. Authorities soon arrive. They did, and they were like, "Yep, mm-hmm. this is a homicide." All right, no, I got. I they do- both had three bullet wounds. Both the six. bodies, six shots total. Oh, okay. One in the back, one in the chest, and one in the in the neck. The weapon was the weapon that was used was believed to be a three fifty seven Magnum revolver. Okay. Yeah. So these were loud shots from a humongous gun in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. So you would think that nobody heard anything. Or saw anything, but it's a possibility that they were also shot at a different location and then dumped 
at this location. But someone did that person. Hear, yeah, who? But someone did at least hear the crime being committed. The witness was like a hermit. Right. He lived by himself. He liked to be by himself. He was like a mountain man. That's, slash yeah, that's what hippie it, slash. You know, that's really sad because that's what it was. I was I was trying to figure out who you're describing. You were describing a hermit. He reported hearing a car driving down his dirt road the day after the uh, the day after the bodies were discovered. Mm. So the witness reported that he heard the car, he heard car doors open, gunshots, followed by the immediate closing of the door, and then the car speed back down the road and onto the highway. Like I Google map this road, and there is in fact one plantation style plot. Further down the road from where the bodies were found, so this may have been where his house was in 1976. The street view I saw was from 2014, and there isn't a house there now, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a big old plantation house on that plot of land in the past. So we're talking about South Carolina here. Plantation houses are everywhere. You know what a plantation house is? Are you serious? Yes. I mean, I know what it looks like, and I know right. I've seen one out in the middle it's the of the one. Door. It's the one that has like those fucking pillars yeah. up front with the gigantic. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like some really nice property cut. You see a few horses, but it's a long ass driveway of a whole bunch of land, a whole bunch of slaves well, just live on. Exactly. Like there, there's or a house. Ranky. It could be big or it could be small, but. The land that you that you have acquired through you know family more than likely yeah gives you the right to call that a plantation house. That might not be accurate. <laughs> and the noises from a car driving down a dirt road and gunshots from a three fifty seven are very loud, and the sound would come through very clear because there's no other noise going on besides that from the nearby highway. So the truck driver reports the bodies at 6.20 a.m. that morning. Then the hermit witness comes forward with the details of the crime after the fact when it's already been publicized over the news. So it's possible he didn't just know or think. Like, hey, I heard gunshots, but we're in Sumter. You hear gunshots all the time. You know? Yeah, you only two people actually got shot by him and then left on the side of the road. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is it's not unfamiliar to hear gunshots in Sumter. Just like it's, you hear gunshots in Greenville. And you're like... shooting county. The male victim was olive-colored in complexion, had wavy brown hair, bushy eyebrows, a medium body build, and brown eyes, and believed to be in between the ages of 18 and 30 and weighed 150 to 160 pounds. He had very extensive dental work done. Procedures performed in his mouth weren't something that a lot of doctors were able to do here in the United States. So it was thought that he came from money and another country. He had marks and scars on his body concurrent with someone who would play contact sports and a scar from an appendectomy surgery. I'm sorry, what kind of surgery? Appendectomy. Oh, that's what I thought you said, but what? It's when they take your appendix out. Why don't you just say that? Because that's not what it's called. 
<laughs> At the autopsy, it's reported that he appeared to be in the middle of a complete dental restoration, and evidence shows that he had just received a very specific root canal that only 13 dentists in the United States knew how to perform at the time. Not very common for people with good teeth, let alone these types of work done on their teeth. Uh, is that Britain? Let's try Canada. I'm going to go with Canada. That's really close. Mm, okay. He was wearing blue jeans without underwear, which sounds just uncomfortable. A red shirt that read, quote, Coors, America's Light Beer on the front, and oh, well. Camel Challenger GT Sebring 75 on the back, along with a Snoopy design. Remember, 1976. It was a promotional shirt for the Sebring races in Sebring, Florida from 1975. We'll come back to the details of this later. He had a pack of matches in his pocket from Grant's truck stop which I googled, and there were three locations in the 70s. One in New Mexico, one in Nebraska, and one in Idaho. He had a Belova watch on, and Belova is a brand name watch worth some money, but not like Rolex money. Mm. Today, a Belova watch would go for around $600. So, in 1976, that watch would have cost around $2,400. That's disgusting. The watch company was contacted, but they underwent downsizing, so they destroyed a bunch of records, so there was no way of tracing the serial number from the watch. And finally, he had a 14-karat gold ring on, and their ring was engraved with the initials JPF on the inside of the ring. Could this have been his initials? There's no real way to tell because he had no type of identification on his person. Okay, so he, his initials, or whoever's initials. It was JPF. And it never got out there to anybody to just be like, I know who that is, or well, he's just a doe. Or does, right? Yeah, I'm getting to the girl now. Well, the, the ring was on the guy? Yeah, the ring was on the guy. Guys wear rings. I get it, but nobody... Could make out what those initials stood for, like to this day. That's weird. Weird. So, what's significant about the male is you have extensive dental work, a nice ring, a nice watch, memorabilia from an event in Florida from the year before, and matches from a truck stop somewhere in the Midwest. That's it. Authorities thought they could legit say he was from Florida because the shirt was from an event. Available only in Florida type of shirt. But the matches told a different story. Then add in the fact that he's got several thousand dollars worth of dental surgery in his mouth. Probably not performed in the States. A couple thousand dollars worth of jewelry on him. Not taken from the crime scene. Everything seemed to contradict identifying the male. Now on to the female victim. She was significantly younger than the male Thought to be in between the ages of 18 and 20. Yeah, homeboy had all that shit on him. With a slim build and had the same olive color complexion as the male. She had reddish brown hair to her shoulders and hazel hazel eyes. I don't want to say hazel green or hazel blue. I don't know if... Hazel blue? Is that a thing? Uh, they, what the they fuck just... is Hazel. 
It's like a golden. It's like green. a golden. All right. Well, I don't we'll, know. we'll 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 just stick with hazel. Okay. She had hazel eyes and two distinct moles on the left side of her face. She had Daisy Duke cut shorts with a pink blouse, but was what was significant about her was she had on three rings. One was a simple metal band with red, white, and blue stones. The second had a coral and turquoise. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. The second had a coral and turquoise stone with an ornate flower shape, and the third was a black stone with chips of tur- turquoise embedded. They were all made of sterling silver, so they could possibly be costume jewelry or handmade from cultures like Mexican or Native American. Okay. But they were definitely Southwestern in originality. She had some dental work, but not as extensive as the male. That male was a shitty daddy. Long at long eyelashes and unshaved legs. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. And she wasn't wearing underwear either. Oh. Could the killer have caught them in the middle of smashing and <laughs> then made them get dressed before murdering them? That doesn't make sense. Well, they would have found underwear. Maybe they were European and just didn't wear underwear. European. (laughs) No. I mean, you. I don't know. I mean, her legs weren't shaved, so why the fuck would she wear underwear? Now, with no type of identification for the victims, no real motives, no real leads, authorities had to do something. They dispersed dental records and fingerprints in some magazines. But these magazines were only distributed in the United States. So the dental work had to be performed somewhere else. And the dentist would never see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then the theories start rolling in. A man from a KOA in Santee, South Carolina. I've been there too. Santee? Yeah, Santee. A man from a KOA in Santee, South Carolina came forward a couple months after and said that he talked to a man that matched the description and he said that his name was Jacques. Jean Jacques. He spoke with a Canadian accent and said that his dad was a successful doctor from the country. How do you spell Jacques? J-A-C-Q-U-E. Jacques. Jacques Le Bleu. (laughs) I'm sure he spoke with a Canadian accent. You ever watch uh, Letterkenny? Yeah. That's that's what they sounded like. Mm-hmm. His family disowned him because he didn't want to continue his education to become a doctor like his father. Authorities decided not to pursue this lead later in the investigation, and as time passed, the records from the KOA were destroyed in a fire. Um, I've heard that the missing signs for these people are still up in that KOA. I mean... She's eight, she was 18 and 76. So how old would that make her? Like 50 some Late 50s? No, it was not time for guessing. But she was dead anyway. 76. 86. 96. Now it's not 2006. time for guessing. What the fuck? 2016. 2020. So that would make her 44. 44. Math. But... They, 54. they found their bodies. She was already 16. Why is she on missing signs? Or 18? Because they couldn't identify her back then? No, they were, or they were, look, I'm sorry. They weren't, they weren't missing signs. They were like help. 
oh. to identify these body okay. signs. Because I was about to be confused. Because I'm like, wait, I, I thought they were does. But well, technically they're missing damn. because somebody's looking for them and they ain't found them. Yeah, well. Like, we're missing their name. <laughs> Help us find We're going to hell. So, like, they could have had positive identification of the couple, maybe even pictures of them being there, but they were like, nah. So, no follow-up with the campground. Santee, South Carolina is about 30, 45 minutes away from the crime scene in Sumter. It's not clear how long they were there, but the man from the campground said that they had stayed about a year ago and was friends with the male victim. And one night while playing pool, the victim opens up to the witness and tells him that they were from Canada and him and his girlfriend were vacationing around the United States and told him that his name was Jacques. <laughs> he, later attempted, he later attempted to pawn off the ring at the campground, matching the ring found on the male victim. The J inscribed inside the ring reinforces the victim's name was probably Jacques. Another man from Nebraska reported working on the car of the victims and said that the tag on the car was from either Washington State or Oregon. This makes sense because the matchbook being found from the Midwest. They were both shot in the chest, throat, and back. Much like how you would see like a mafia hit in a movie or something like that. Overkill. Maybe the cartel or some shit like that. So they knew something, or they did something they weren't supposed to. Probably owed them money. At the time, the IMSA, or the International Motorsports Association, was notorious for being involved in drug smuggling rings. Like millions and millions of dollars type drug smuggling. It's been said that the IMSA stood for International Marijuana Smuggling Association. Maybe they were in the witness protection program from being rats inside that organization mm, that could maybe. also be why no one came forward to identify them as well right a lot of maybes there and that one makes the most sense to me it's important to note that neither victim had drugs or alcohol in their system when they were found damn they could have possibly been carjacked by a hitchhiker too I'd imagine they have like little flasks and shit in the 70s Involving another person means that the matches from the victim's pocket could have been from someone else's pocket. Pocket. Further throwing the identification of the victims even further out. The hermit witness reports hearing a car door close. He didn't say how many doors closed, though. I don't know how tire impressions weren't a thing in 1970, because DNA sure wasn't either. And he did not report the crime until it was all over the news. So the hermit could very well just be a suspect. These people could have been lost in Sumter, just like me. Mm, even. Walked up to this man's house, asked him for directions. Maybe he invited them in. Maybe he drugged them. Maybe he shot them both. Nothing's off the table in this case. Whatever he may have did, he made it look really good, so... Some say, him. some, I looked on Reddit about this case and a lot of, I've seen, I've seen some threads about how they may have been refugees from a South American country 
fling something called the Dirty Wars. Just ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time and was murdered. They could have been drug smugglers from South America that went AWOL. And then that led to the possible assassination theory. Reinforcing the drug smuggling theory. There are a lot of theories here. Yeah, no, We're just It literally could be strings. anything because of how you describe them. I guess, you know, like how they look and what they do and them being young and that guy being basically decked out and a whole bunch of expensive shit that is cheap to us now, which is disgusting. It's not, uh, it's not wh- the case. But it, it's cheap now, but... She she was young. Oh, what are you talking about what I just said? I, I doubt that dental surgery is cheap now. Oh, man. Fuck dental, dental costs. <laughs> like, they want three bands for like veneers. Then in December of 1976, a man named George Lonnie Henry of North Carolina was arrested for driving under the influence in Lotta, South Carolina. Also been there, too. Who? A Lotta? Lotta. Just Lotta. Lotta. Lotta shit. And during the search of his vehicle, police found a three fifty seven revolver with no serial number. Like, the serial number was scratched off. What was it? A three fifty seven. Oh. After it was test fired, it was proven to be the murder weapon. But he was not charged with the murders because of insufficient evidence. His alibi was that his wife was in the hospital in North Carolina. And that was good enough for authorities at the time. They were just like, cool. No cameras, nothing. At a hospital. They did question witnesses at the hospital. And they did say Henry was there during the time of the murder. Oh. They analyzed the time it would have taken for him to get to the crime scene and back to the hospital and was able to eliminate him as a suspect. Better be glad. Police asked how he got the gun and he replied that his brother had given it to him as a gift years earlier. It was later concluded that the gun was stolen from Raleigh, North Carolina. The bodies were put in an airtight... This is sick. Even early. Their bodies were put in an airtight clear lid casket in hopes that someone would identify the bodies. What? Yeah. And oh, um, many people did call in clear... and many people did come see the body so after a while no one could just positively identify them. That really happened? They were left on display until Wow. I want to say August 14th, 1977. I may have to go back and look that up. What do you mean display? They were left on display. Like, you know, you walk into a jewelry store and they got rings on display. Well, these people were on display. Like pictures? No. Their body. Their body. Oh, okay. 1970s were... Fucked up. Because I was hoping you weren't saying that their bodies was on display. When the bodies began to deteriorate... Uh, okay. They were burned in Oswego, also been there, South Carolina, at Bethel Methodist Church. On their headstones read, male unknown and female unknown. Later exhumed in 2007 for DNA testing, concluded that they were in fact not related. That sounds like some out of the country shit. No offense. So, the last theory is that a serial killer that operated in South Carolina named Henry Lee Lewis was the perpetrator in this crime. He admitted to being in South Carolina at the time of the murders, This was later dismissed as Lucas made up a lot of shit. And the lack of evidence, just, it just, the evidence just wasn't there. And he was never charged with the murders. 
Lewis was notorious for making shit up and just trying to get out of his cell to catch a break from the monotony of being locked up for ever. Trying so, for he's lying on crimes for clout. Right. <laughs> so authorities didn't take him seriously, but killers tend to forget shit. They black out and rage kill all the time. The coroner who worked on this case worked this case until she retired and said that all of the evidence pertaining to this ev- this case has been long lost, misplaced, stolen, or destroyed, including the male victim's teeth. So it's likely that this case will never be solved. I gotta make sure I get the teeth. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how to feel. Like, I don't know if I would even... Um, you know, go outside anymore if I, you know, saw two dead bodies just... Oh, yeah, no. You would probably be getting a check. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm ruined. Ruined. <laughs> I'm ruined after that. Like, oh, yeah. You and me both. There's no going outside for me. They, they give people like that Xanax. Like, stay di- in the house and just eat these. I'm not even... I'm not even going watch true crime anymore. You know, like, that's when, that's when the true crime... Is too true for me. Right, no, I've seen some fucked up shit in my life, and I had to stop watching real shit for a while. Like, it'll fuck you up. I mean, sometimes I gotta take a break. Like, I'll take... I don't know. Like, I'll I'll skip the the real stories and watch shit like you, or like Scandal. Stuff stuff that's not real. Yeah, stuff that has like... Thriller, like a thriller. Yeah, like a psychological movie, or... You know, like um, the fucking movie where the uh, shit split. Like it's not really. A, a I mean, crime it, I know it's not a crime, but that I still, a lot of the crimes that we talk about, a lot of these people have like some kind of psychological problem. So I'm into that kind of shit, and it calls me crazy, because I don't want to watch Medea. So and you're shit. talking about like thrillers and shit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't really watch thrillers either. Yeah, no, I see you don't get on your Netflix because I put all kinds of shit on the list because I'd be like, oh my God, I wonder if Rashad's seen this because you uh, need to watch it. Not, uh, there's a lot of shit that they put on Netflix that's already been on Netflix before. Well. You got to just, you know, you got to have. I dip. told you. You remember when Netflix was just you. DVDs? Like no. they only sent DVDs? No. What? I thought there was like something fly. That's Gamefly. Game but yeah, you can still Red order. Box. You can still order DVDs through Netflix too. That's no, I don't. You're the old. You're like you're the one that's thirty two. Hmm. Yep. 30. I'm a cute thirty two. Yeah. Whatever. So thirty two. Uh, that you know. is episode fourteen. Sumter does. We don't know anything DVDs. else about it. It's it's really just open book still. Oh. We can go to Sumter tomorrow. No. I'm off tomorrow. No man, I went to no. We can go and we can go to cookout. Hit the local cookout. <laughs> there's nothing in Sumter. I, there's a cookout. Oh, oh, that's it. Because there's no Starbucks. Don't go out there if you want. Oh, coffee. you can't say there's no. Starbucks. I can, because it's probably not. That was episode fourteen. Um, I'm glad I got that one out of the way. I'd I'd done as much research as I could. That was good, brother. You had me intrigued. I had no fucking. Just a little little known Sumter fact. You know? yeah, a little peekaboo. I think we're gonna stay in um South Carolina and cover the Cole Hep case next. 
So, are we? I think I I think I might be close to writing it or finish writing it. Um, well, that one's gonna be a good one regardless. So you guys stay tuned. If you like the show, be sure to hit us up on Instagram at Blood and Firewater Podcast, Twitter at BFW Pod Squad, and if you want to just send me a direct message, you can send it to bloodandfirewater at gmail.com body snatcher shot leave us a message or leave us a review on apple Podcasts. we'll shout you out on the show stay alert and stay alive <laughs>